0: Today, we're joined by Didier Bonnet, Senior Vice President and Global Practice Leader for Digital Transformation at Capgemini. He teaches at IMD in Switzerland and has co authored the book Leading Digital Turning Technology into Business Transformation. As well as guiding CEOs in their transformation, his involvement in the joint research partnership with MIT ensures that Capgemini has valuable insights into the challenges global businesses face when embracing shares some new insights as well as demystifying common misconceptions on the success rate of transformations around the world. Um, Thanks for joining us today Didier. Um, We always start these with quick fire warm-up questions which is an icebreaker so it'd be good to kind of get your response on these. So winter or summer?
1: Summer, easy. (laughs)
0: Cats or dogs? Dogs. City or countryside? City. London or Paris? London. Extrovert or introvert? Introvert. Read or listen? Read. And a novel or a business book?
1: Ooh, business book.
0: Okay, and have you got any recent recommendations?
1: Yes, I've started reading, a, so I haven't finished yet, but it's a new book by Rita McGrath from Columbia uh, called Seeing Around the Corner, which is about strategy for discerning, um, you know, which industry and which company are gonna be disrupted. Recommended for strategy folks, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Um, so your current role is EVP at um, Capgemini, travelling around the world and lecturing on digital transformation. It's um, quite a big role. And can you explain a little bit more about what your job involves, especially the split between your, you know, kind of professor uh, right. role and your kind of corporate yes. role?
1: Well, the split's, the split's very recent. but the uh, So the, the, the corporate role is really around working with management teams and boards to try to set up, either set up uh, digital transformation, learning from what actually works and what doesn't work. Um, but more more often now, it's also about re, re-driving or re-prioritizing. A lot of people have done stuff that they call digital transformation and then didn't see the result or it's too slow or they're facing Major organizational uh, obstacles, and they try to say, "Okay, we need to restart this thing properly." So I spend a lot of time uh, really aligning people about what what really they're trying to achieve, what's the program, what's the strategy, and then how do we turn the vision and the strategy into a practical roadmap where we can actually do things with the with the people. Uh, so that's that's really the role, and I work mainly for large large cor- corporations um, because there are. The most complex, they <laughs> have a lot of legacy so uh, so there's a lot of change to be done um, and then for my other role I, I, I teach strategy and digital transformation at IMD which is a business school but it's uh, uh, mainly executive education.
0: Fantastic, um, it's quite a high pressured role, is there anything that you do to kind of stay on top of innovations and get inspired? Because I can imagine kind of jet-setting around the world quite a lot.
1: Yes, I think so. So, you know, I, I learn most from talking to clients really and, and people I meet uh, from, from corporations because everyone has different uh, problems and different way of expressing it. Uh, and then you try to find connecting the dots <laughs> to say, OK, I've heard this story five times. It must be a big it must be a big issue. Uh, I, I tend to find the answer very often is outside of firms also because, you know, talking to innovators, looking at startups. Talking to other people that are thinking about the subject and see, and, and seeing how they're how they're approaching it, so I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, reading and uh, watching videos of people who are, who are you know telling their stories about their own digital transformation, uh, and, and try to figure out from there, you know, are there some rules we can we can infer that that would be helpful for clients uh, generally.
0: And. Um- at Capgemini, I get a real sense that research really kind of underpins your approach. Um, you've got strong ties with MIT. Could you tell me a little bit more about that relationship?
1: Yeah, so we, we've always believed that having a, um, a sort of academic partner was a good thing, <laughs> uh, you know, to ground some of the questions that we have to, to sort of deepen the research. So we've been working with the MIT for the last 10 years now. Um, started with uh, you know, really defining the field of what is digital transformation, how does it work. Um, you know, we we talked to probably 500 large corporation Try to understand what they were doing, and then drilling down to what does it mean for customer experience, what does it mean for operations, what does it mean for change of business model, which everybody talks about disruption, business model. So which was okay? Are people actually doing things differently? Uh, and and then uh, you know looking also at what happens to our organization as we go further into digital transformation. Can we still run them the same way that we've? Designed some 96 years ago or something, with fairly command and control, top-down sort of to, sort of communication and organization, um, and then we're just finishing a, pro- a project right now looking at innovation uh, in the in the digital world, this flow of technology. So you have to be pretty uh, targeted as to what you're trying to to look at, and I would say also what are you trying to use the technology for? You know, there's a lot of hype and fashion. become like a fashion business you know like oh yes we do things on machine learning oh great (laughs) Uh, even if it's you know two guys in the middle of a lab somewhere looking at the topic uh you know you so so i think we have to fight a little bit on that it's okay what's really going to make a difference to the business uh and Usually, I, I, I say that, you know, starting with the technology is probably the wrong thing. Uh, you know, start with what you're trying to do as a business, what is your strategy, and then see how technology can help to make it better, faster, cheaper, or whatever, <laughs> or, or real. Uh, but I think I see still a lot of companies focusing too much on the beauty of the technology and less on what it takes to actually change, uh, you know, the organization and, make, and, and, and really get a return on investment from what they're doing.
0: And just on that kind of fashionable term, I 100% agree with that. Mm. Um, with that kind of fashionable term, do you think that's kind of a bit of a misconception about what digital transformation is on the client side?
1: Yes, I, so I'd, I'd go further. I think I think today it's become really virtually meaningless, <laughs> because it's uh, so. When we started ten years ago, actually, no, not many people was were talking about digital transformation. But here today, you have uh, every single consulting firm, every single agency, every single Software vendor, so you know you have a conversation on digital transformation, and you end up talking about a cloud application or something, you know, which has nothing to do with that. So I think the problem is I think people are focusing too much on the digital and not so much on the transformation part, uh, and and so that's the number one. It's back to this technology-led type of approach, and I think the second problem is there are, or at least we found over the years that there are various flavors of what digital transformation actually mean in practice within clients. Uh, So examples could be that there are programs which you can do, which are very uh, focused on certain uh, departments or functions or whatever. For instance, Uh, We have decided to put a collaboration platform or we have decided to automate some of our HR processes, you know, so that's great. That's really improving efficiency, but it's not transforming your organization at all. Uh, When it starts becoming more difficult is when you start doing programs that cross, cut across your organization. So an example could be, you know, if you're in retail, the multi-channel story. You know, once you start saying, okay, we're going to give the same experience to people over whatever, five, six, seven different touch points, then you're starting to really cut across your marketing, your sales, your operations and so on. And it becomes a much more complex transformation program to deliver within your organization, because whether we like it or not we're still organizing silos and 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 so that's why we've we're really advocating spending time on how you run this program and how you govern this program within the organization because everything of the way we've designed organization works against it so those are complex and then you've got another layer which is where people are really starting to change their business model so the fashionable thing now is everyone wants to become a a network company right <laughs> and they want to have a platform and all this kind of stuff and 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 some of them are, are doing a great job so nike for instance is a great example of a company that's managed to you know move from selling shoes which is what they're doing to really engaging people through a very active platform where you can exchange your runs and all this kind of stuff so so it can happen but it, it needs certain conditions to happen and and or conditions to happen and and i think it's uh, you know it's not for everyone to become a platform it's not the the, the, there's a lot more talk about uh, today about uh, business model and disruption there in, than there is real reality behind it. Uh, first of all, because not everybody is being disrupted, or at least not at the same speed. Uh, and we've we've gone for this. I don't know how, but we've gone for this uh, virtually fairy tale story that you know startups are going to take over the world and kill all the industry that exists, from banking to insurance to think and and. I I, maybe I'm too old, but I I don't buy that, (laughs) okay. So I think it's more a matter of how we leverage those uh, entrepreneurs uh, and innovators for their capabilities, so we can innovate better, but it's certainly not a case. or at least we haven't seen many cases where, you know, uh, three guy and a dog in California take over the banking industry, okay, yet. Uh, So it may happen, it might be a matter of time, but I think people are, you know, disruption sells newspapers. So it's always something that's gonna happen tomorrow morning. Uh, so I used to work in the music industry for a while, and I saw how long it took, even for the music industry, which was a dying industry. <laughs> it took still 10 years of, uh, you know, a 10-year cycle to really, uh, really change the, the the business model fundamentally. So I think, so those are the three kind of flavor that I, I can see today. And of course, they're not uh, separate. You can do a bit of each of those. But I think it's important to understand that, you know, not every digital transformation ends up with the same thing. Yeah, some of them are, are really not very transformational others are massively transformational and therefore the risk profile that you take from from a, from a management team and the strategy and how you go about it uh, is very very different so if you're starting a, a new platform type business uh, you better be sure that you know this the the economics behind it will work you could better be sure that you test it first with some uh, uh, real Uh, clients before before you scale it and so on and so forth whereas if you're automating a department it's probably less risky and less problematic Mm.
0: Um, and in terms of when you were talking a a moment ago about kind of the leadership aspect of that and kind of where that is going within the transformation Mm. I guess what I'd be interested to understand a bit more about is your kind of viewpoints on that role of the leadership team within the transformation yes. that you work
1: on? So that's, that's it. so the answer is in the title of our book when we call, we, it wasn't us actually, it was the editor who found the, uh, we found the title but we called it Leading Digital for a reason which was really that we found by default, and leadership is kind of a fairly vague notion, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to, to sort of put some hard nose uh, metrics and things around it but when we, when we did the research, we did find, a, you know, or, or discover how huge the importance of leadership is uh, and, and, and it kind of, you know, we started with the impression because that's what a lot of experts were telling us that industries are moving at different speed and some industry will digitize a lot further than others. Uh, and, uh, and therefore that if you're in retail or in fast moving consumer goods, you might uh, digitize much fa- fa- faster and earlier than if you're in, um, you know, copper mining. <laughs> uh, and actually, we found that not to be true, uh, because when we looked at the people that were doing digital transformation, well, we found people across all sorts of industry and all sorts of countries. Uh, and that told us that there was maybe something else that was happening, uh, which I think we, uh, you know, led us to to this famous leadership call. So in other words, it's, it's more important to have committed leadership uh, behind this kind of program than to have the best technical ability in the world or the best partners or whatever, because your chances of success will, will go, uh, you know, will be uh, hugely increased uh, if you get support from the leaders over a long period of time. Sometimes it's one person, uh, sometimes it's a group of people that are truly aligned to do something. But uh, certainly, you know, when we started the research, we heard all this thing about, uh, you know, at, at the time it was called bring your own device, uh, you know, edge innovation and all these millennials were going to come into the workplace and try new tools and change the way that people work, forcing management to transform. We found zero example of that, was none, uh, at least in our sample, you know, everywhere where a proper transformation actually happened, there was some strong leadership at the top. Uh, so I'm not saying that having millennials try things is a bad thing, but certainly it is not the main driver of transformation.
0: And have you ever worked on a project where there hasn't been that leadership aligned?
1: Yes, yes. I was going to say half of the time, it might be above half, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, where you have two forms. You have, sometimes the leaders get engaged at the beginning because it's a new thing, it's a new program. It's, you can, you can put it in your annual report and it's nice to talk to the city about that you're doing a major transformation. So it's, it's, it's newsworthy, it's exciting and everything, but then you've got to stay the course. Uh, because these things don't, you know, you don't do transformation overnight. They are they are fairly long program. You can break them down in parts, but still they are your, you know, multi-year program. And and we find sometimes you know leaders moving on to the next great thing, uh, so losing interest or delegating too early. Uh, and that's why you know sometimes I have my doubt about. Uh, the appointment of chief digital officers for instance it can work wonders in some industries or some companies it can be just a cop out in others where where you're just delegating the role to a poor person who has all the responsibility and all the accountability and no responsibility or no budget sometimes so so we're finding that uh you know that that this consistency uh, to some extent um you know the the really the willpower to stay the course is really important uh, and you know you're going to change you don't you don't know what you don't know so what's what your transformation is going to look like in three years is is a bit of a mystery but if you stick to the course of what you're trying to to aim at uh, i think that that's really a big part of, of the leadership and, and in a lot of company i see incredible individuals working day and night to try to make this program work without the support of their leadership and you know' it's it's a worst possible case because you've got a lot of energy uh, in the middle and, and the bottom of the organization, and if that's not matched by equal energy from the leadership the, the the chances of not making it happen is is high.
0: And what are the chances of changing the leadership in terms of opinion so you know if you've got a, a group of leaders that are kind of not being as innovative, like you just explained, like the kind of the yes. the, the management tier down, get it, but the leadership don't. Like, yeah. is there anything as a consultancy? Yeah, you can so do so, to so
1: that's that's a lot of what I do, both as as a consultant, but also as an educator. Try to uh, take leadership team and and get them to realize what's really going on. Um, there are two really cases. You you have a case where um, you know, which I call the deficit model, where you either your organization's is not performing or your sales are down, your profits being eroded, things like that, so you're in crisis mode. So it's a deficit model because you have to do something and, and therefore the digital transformation direction makes sense because you need, you, know, you need to change the organization. The tougher part is when everything's going well uh, and therefore you have no pressure from your industry, you might not be disrupted uh, and that's where the leadership is even more important because uh, as we know, you know it's, it, it, there's always people saying, you know, it's always better to change when everything's going well. I agree with that, but I don't see a lot of reality in, in the real world of that happening. You know, people tend to change when something's going wrong. Um, it's not the case for everyone. I mentioned Nike earlier on, for instance. I mean, Nike shoes weren't being disrupted by software or anything like that, uh, but yet the leadership at the time decided that it was time to do something different and and uh, really engage their consumer in different ways. So I think it does happen, but I would say that, uh, you know, on on average, I would say the the people tend to change when something, you know, your competitors doing something and you want to do the same, or, you know, you're being, your margins are being eroded in part of your business and you do something different So that's what people react to. So, so I think those are the two, the two things. And then, and, and the answer to your question is yes, we are trying to really, educate and make teams aware of what this is because very often it's either people just say it's a gimmick it'll go away but you know i've been at it for 10 years and (laughs) and people are still talking about digital transformation and you know and and some people are still entering uh you know a new program of digital transformation today you know so it's kind of amazing so i think we're in for a long run on that whether we call it digital transformation or not is a debate, but but uh, but I think we we're in the long run for using these kind of technologies to change businesses. Um, but but you need to have a team that's aware of uh, you know that's aware of not just the technology, but what the technology can do. So, and I think that's the most difficult is really, you know, people get scared, even at the top. I mean, there's the assumption that everyone knows everything at the top is not true. I mean, if you take areas as complex as, as uh, artificial intelligence or uh, machine learning or something like that, I mean, you know, it takes a while to really understand what this technology can do, what are their limitations, what are their dangers, which particular use case they can be applied to in your industry. Uh, and what benefit could you get out of it? What competencies do you need to hire to actually run these things properly? So it's quite a complex area and, and, and quite scary because I mentioned machine learning, but there's probably another 10 things that, you know, or 20 that you need to, to really understand. So I think this education awareness of the team at the top is is really important. Of course, if you're in a tech company, it's it's easier because at least you know the technology side you may not you may struggle more on the transformation side but it's it's more it's more obvious but if you're in a uh, you know in a traditional industry um you know where technology was there but not really at the forefront and this transformation is happening it's quite hard to figure out where how is it transforming my my industry and therefore my company and also what is it that i'm going to do Uh, In order to really improve the business using this technology and that's a because you can change everything right through digital transformation You can you can apply it to every department and everything, but where do you prioritize? So it makes a difference to your either to your bottom line and your top line Uh,
0: And do you think that's one of the kind of biggest fears in digital transformation that people actually Is it the technology being scared of like not knowing about technology?
1: Yes, I think it's, it's it's uh, there's, there is a lot of that. It's it's a fear of oh my god this is complicated. Do we, do we really need to do that? Uh, which I think is a good question. I mean I think for everyone who's launching into that I think they should ask themselves the question: Do we need to do that? Do we need to do that now? At what speed do we need to do it? Those are all, all good questions. the The other fear is so the fear is a little bit about technology, depending where you know what your background is, how much time you spend on the outside. You know, with with your, your microphones and your eyes just picking up signals that you can see. So this, this notion of hyper awareness is really important about can you see things that are the scans happening to your industry uh, or potentially happening to your industry. Um and and, and I think yeah that's 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 a key. the key. The 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 next thing is really to try to translate what you see on the outside in terms of what it's going it's going to mean for your your organization because you can see when you see these things you see two things one is risk and one is opportunity (laughs) Uh, and 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 you need to manage both because uh, to some extent you will have potential areas where you're vulnerable and potential areas where you can make uh, a lot of money and and those programs at least the ones that have been successful tend to address both Uh, really try to protect yourself from Not so much, you know, people, again, tend to focus too much on the small company that's a new thing, or even the larger company that's doing a new thing. But I think the focus shouldn't be on the disruptor, it should be on the disruption. So how is being, you know, not a company, but what is the nature of the disruption? Is it because, you know, like in music, who were selling cds with 12 tracks or whatever and then suddenly somebody comes in and now you can buy the track individually well that's a big disruption and by the way it can be in a subscription model oh wow that's you know uh, that so those are the things that you should focus on rather than the companies doing them uh, you know p- particularly if they're small and things like that so so i think this awareness is at board level and management's team level is, is really really important because unless you have that you won't get the sufficient leadership to drive the program so there's awareness up front, and and there's plenty of tools you can. And I know a lot of people go on trips to California and all this kind of stuff. Those are good. They're not everything. Uh, it's a bit of tourism, but 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 uh, but they are good to sort of raise the awareness of really what's going on. Um,
0: and just going back to your book on kind of the leading mm-hmm. digital book, um, obviously that was written back in 2014. Right. Yeah. And the pace of which digital is yeah. is changing and yeah. technology is changing. I'm just wondering, is there, is there anything that you would add to the book now? That is oh, yes, more, yes, more yes.
1: Yes, I mean, the, you know, the problem is the minute, the minute you finish a book, you want, to, you, you want to change everything again. So, no, but I mean, you know, five years in this world is, is, a, is a lifetime. So we, we actually had a little conversation with my two co-authors not, not, uh, not long ago about, oh wow, what, what would we change now? And, and they are tremendous. Changes. So it was interesting that actually there were fundamentals that have not moved an iota. So we've talked about uh you know where you make smart investment around customer experience and operations and business model, that's still to where you organize the change side, the transformation side of your organization around a vision, engagement of people, governance, IT and business, blah 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 blah. This hasn't changed very much. So the fundamentals about how you do it right haven't really changed. What what's changed a great deal, I think, is you know, we are we are entering sort of a new wave now with this. Uh, automation AI uh, capabilities that's really not only changing um, you could say was well, just another set of technology or IOT or, or whatever else but actually it's more profound than that I think it's probably changing also the nature of how we run organizations so uh, because automation has an impact on jobs because uh, once decisions are automated then you know how do you run People and machines together, uh, and, and, then, and then do you need middle management to do that? And, and so, so it's, it's kind of raising important questions. Uh, we're still early in the curve because we're, you know, we're, we're, bar some, some uh, advanced companies, uh, most companies are still sort of doing trials and proof of concepts and whatever. But, but the, I, I have no doubt that this technology will accelerate in terms of their take up and, and, and their scaling. Uh, and they will have a real profound impact on how we run organizations. So I would probably try to maybe uh, put more of these technologies forward uh, in in this year's version Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and probably talk a lot more about what are the potential changes to the way we run organizations. Because I think what we did in the first phase was really try to say, okay, here's how you adapt your organization to cope with what's going on. Because we we did find uh, in multiple cases, uh, as I mentioned, that digital transformation was cutting across all the things that we've designed in an organization like country silos and, you know, departments and things like that. But, uh, but we didn't tackle the, how do you reorganize to make it work? I think with these technologies, as they scale, we will have to rethink how we run organization. And, and the answer today from everyone is agile. And, and I have, I'm slightly cynical about this. I mean, I think agile or agile businesses is really, really important. The adaptability of a business is really important. Uh, but I think it's not just, you know, throwing a couple of agile team here and there, uh, you know, running sprints, that's gonna change the world. I think you, you, you have to make your organization more adaptable. And that's to do with, of course, being agile but also about how you allocate budgets how you dispatch resources halfway through a budgeting cycle for instance which for a large organization are still is still a very very difficult exercise so so I think we need to think through that and also I think the notion of uh, you know running people and algorithm together in the same industry is is a really important question so I mean we, we need to decide you know if you and, and and there are there are huge misconceptions today about w- you know, people have focused for too long about robots replacing people. In fact, the replacement will happen, but it's going to be much smaller than 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 what people are, are bantering around, like 40 or 50 percent. I think what's going to happen, which is much more difficult to manage, is this notion of augmentation and and saying, okay, so you used to make. You know this kind of decision. Well, actually, the algorithm is not going to produce those decisions, and you carry on doing the front end of the job. Uh, so it might end up being, you know, replacing 80% of your time and replacing 23% of my job, and and you've got to manage that. So that's why uh, these notions of multi-skilling, reskilling people are really important. Is how do we migrate people to be able to cope with this with these kind of jobs? And I think the second. Difficulties is that we're we're um, we're really entering into a world where at least four capabilities are becoming really important and i, I would say the management business transformation side always was always will be technology yes always was always will be i think data management is becoming a real a real issue now because of the shortage of skill sets so Everyone is chasing the same kind of skill set, and it's it's in two ways. It's in the ways that you can get enough data scientists to make those algorithms produce the right the right stuff, uh, but also as a business person being able to take this data and make or these insights and make decisions, business decisions on the back of it, and that's that's a separate skill. And, and I think there's a fourth one which is creativity, uh, because we see so the notion of uh, creativity very broadly defined but this notion of um, you know being able to launch new business model uh, as always was the, the notion of designing a new strategy is very very right brain up to a point and then you do need a lot of creativity to come up with the model that no one else has or connecting the dots in a way that no one else has uh, because a lot of the amazing uh, uh, application that I've, I've seen it, w- looking at digital transformation program really comes from meshing those technologies in very different ways than people haven't thought about. Uh, and, and that takes uh, uh, creativity in terms of how you drive those options, uh, but also creativity in how you design them. Uh, and I'm sure if you've used a <laughs> few of these applications, I mean, I still use some application where within 30 seconds I say, okay, psh, delete. Because it's the, the, so badly designed, you know, from a human perspective, that it makes you cry, and and I think you see that in in in, a, in our day-to-day world. You also see it in enterprises when you you know you have to skip through twenty screens before you can actually make a decision for a bank or something like that. It's just impossible. So I think we'll see a lot of these, uh, and of course, these are difficult things to mesh together because. Getting a creative to work with a marketing person is probably easy. Getting a creative to work with a data scientist might become a little bit more difficult. <laughs> uh, and then, you, so this notion of how do you multi multi not multi but uh, how do you how do you make this cross-functional skill set work together is really really important. Uh, and some companies have done it pretty well. Um, it takes a lot of things like even language. You know, so the the, the ability of being able to communicate uh, using the same terminology is actually quite important. And and when we do digital transformation programs, sometimes we, with our client, we choose a number of words to say, okay, this word in this company means this. Okay, so we're clear. So everyone use a a similar type of language because you do need to have this uh, uh, cross-functional projects and program running efficiently over the course of your digital transformation. If it's just about, okay, well, we'll do the creative part, then we give it to IT to code, or we give it to the business analyst to code, and then and a business analyst will pass it to IT to, to actually code the, 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 the actual application, and then we'll see what the outcomes is in 19 months or 20 months from now, it, it just doesn't kind of work. So, so there's a lot more of these uh, things happening in, in, in industry, and, and I think we, we're, we're learning uh, how to cope with that.
0: So I find that actually when you're working on the projects and, and your teams are there, this cross-functional um, skill set is, is a little bit easier to control in the right. sense of, you know, it's your team and you're able to perpet you know, with, with obviously working with conjunction with the client, right. perpet these different skills. Yeah. Whereas one of the challenges I find, or I'm seeing, is that when you actually, when you exit Projects, because mm-hmm. obviously as a as a consultancy agency you're not always there you know forever right. and at some point right. you know the client says okay that's as much as we can afford right now we'll carry on right a, as just us have you come across any kind of challenges or any solutions at that point of handover
1: yeah i think it's more it's more about getting clients to start behaving that way um and it's it's about having the right the the right competencies in the first place but then try to try to actually run this project as not as an experiment but as okay these next three uh you know new things that we're going to do let's have a a cross-functional team and 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 make it happen um but again there are companies where where uh, you know the notion of uh cross-fertilizing various skill sets which are totally at the end is, is is natural um but But not many (laughs) Uh, so i think yes i think the the hand i think it needs to be internalized you know if you you can leverage consultants to bring specific skill sets or to bring a process so we have a whole team of people here doing innovation consulting that have a, a process by which you can sort of codify the process of innovation Okay, sort of, because, and that demands different skills, even with our teams. I mean, we have, you know, there are people that are very right brain minded, because we need to understand insight from consumer, and there are others that are very left brain, they come up with a creative solution, say, ah, we haven't tried that, you know? uh, and it's And it's hard because a lot of, and this is, you know, taking us back even to this notion of business model, is that in order to rethink a business model, you need to start first to think about, what led you to believe that your business model of today is the right way to do it? Okay. And that means deconstructing to some extent things that you you may have been in this industry for 20 years and have done for 20 years using the same process because that's the way we do it. Right. Um, and think about it, buying insurance or uh, all this kind of stuff. And, and I think the, the creative process really comes from that as well. It's challenging your assumption about an industry that's been very successful for a very long time. but could be delivered in or the services could be delivered with higher value in a very different way sometimes at half the cost you know so, and, and that's those are the challenge where you really need to have true cross-functional teams because uh, you, you can't be too creative with no operational now because it's a great idea but you'll never be able to put it so at some point you, the the rubber meets the road and, and and you really need to sort of make the creative meets the operational meets the financials meets <laughs> the returns and and this is where magic happens basically so 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 yes i think some some i think you can use uh, external partners to do that in all sorts of ways we we have decided as a consulting firm to bring that a, a lot of that skill set in house uh, because we fundamentally believe that this notion of mixing business consulting technology consulting creative consulting uh and, and data uh, uh scientists and others is really where the mix of the magic will happen. Uh so that's what's what we, we uh that's how we geared up our, our, our skill set and, and I think that's you know we're seeing that happening to some extent with clients as well. Uh because I, I really think that's the future of uh um you know where you innovate within your digital transformation programme.
0: And let's just talk about one of your approaches, which is this Inside out versus outside in um, thinking within the technology and the IT department. Could you explain a little bit more about um, your guys' approach to that?
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's a this is this is true for IT. It's also true for for a lot of people. It's it's a little bit of what uh, what I've mentioned, and I think the answer very often is outside. Uh, so traditionally, you know, if we go back twenty years, it was like. The first question you used to get as consultant, you walk into a bank and says, what do you know about banking? You know. And I and I think, of course, banking has its own rules, its own regulations, so you need to be aware of that. But I think if your problem is cross-channel integration, for instance then the banking world may be the worst example on the planet to look at or the best. I don't know, but, but you know, you may want to look at retail or you may want to look at. So that's where the outside in is really valuable is that, you know, somebody else somewhere in the world has gone through the same pain of thinking for, how the hell can I pull that one off? And it's how do you find the right uh, uh, examples? understand exactly what they've done and then bring the right skill set to actually replicate that which which is really important because a tendency with the inside out is always to say oh we know the industry we know our clients right how many times do i hear that we know our clients i say okay uh you know and 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 you're a defined client for a start because you know if, if you're a bank for instance well you've got a 85 year old granny that goes to the branch and uh, people like uh, young or not even young like me who have n- never been in a branch in years you know so so that's even the definition of what constitutes a, a client and, and the understanding thereof is is quite an important one but that's kind of what we hear all the time this preconceived notion and And it's not a criticism because that's, you know, I mean, I'm sure I have some preconceived idea about how consulting works, for instance, because I've been in this industry for a while. Uh, But I think the notion of being able to break your own rules or or mentally challenge your own thinking is really hard for for any human being, including at the top, because the the, the problem with some people at the top, uh, I would say, is also that they've been successful using those models and those rules for 15 years, sometimes 20 years. So trying to say, well, actually the rules that made you successful are going to fundamentally change is a very hard mental job to make. Uh, and that's why we're seeing sometimes uh, natural break in the way companies are transforming when a new CEO comes in. Uh, because he or she will come in with a fresh look, maybe not from this industry and, and then change everything. And we've seen a number of cases like that where you know, the, the transformation was stalling and then suddenly restarting under the impetus of somebody with, pair of fresh eyes and say well why, why are we not doing that or why are we not funding that so and so on so i think that that's a really important thing uh, you know between the outside in and inside out. of course you know you need you need uh, uh, domain expertise to be able to design the the right strategy but i think this notion that you know the answer will be outside or some part of the answer will be outside is is really important very important
0: we certainly see that at yeah. the, in the agency um where people are like, oh, you know, we've called you because you've got experience in X, right? And yeah. we're always a bit like, that doesn't necessarily mean that yes, you're, yeah. you're, uh, we're right for you yes. <laughs> in that yes. sense because there's yeah. you know, uh, being able to work in different, um, different streams, different, yes. um, grabbing different experiences, I think yeah. is really important. And, and so.
1: it's very hard because you know you got there's some very complex problem like you know people are making sweeping statement about generations right now. So the Gen Z, they behave like this. The Gen Y, they behave like this. And the poor old people that were in the baby boomers, they behave like this. And actually, if you look at serious research, not just the latest survey that somebody's done with 20 interviews, uh, you, you find actually that, yes, there are some difference, but sometimes they're not as marked as you think. Uh, like you can have a very traditional, conservative Gen Z, and a very creative and open to the outside world, 55 year old. So, so, so those are, are, are notion important. The second part, which uh, I think I, I fight against quite a lot, is people tend to think that this only applies to B two C companies, and actually in the B two B world. You know, you have human being using your products too. <laughs> the difference is that the person that use and the person that pay may be different, or the person that makes a decision, maybe a third person, but you still have human being you, you using your services or your products and so on and so forth. So I think understanding why they use it, how they use it, when they use it, and all this kind of stuff is just as important as it is in, in the B2C world. And sometimes it's a little bit forgotten, I think. Um,
0: yeah, I totally agree. I kind of another bugbear of mine is the NPS scores. Mm. Yes, which uh, I just think as a yeah. like, it's just so old, yeah. I, such an old way of thinking. It's like, why are we, are we still even yeah. looking at NPS scores? I <laughs> is yeah, I mean, similar? I think I,
1: I think we're going to need, we're going to cer- certainly need new metrics also for some of these. Uh, for, so for corporations, you know, for as long as we're driven, like we're driven, I think the metrics are pretty clear. But for how we measure the success of these digital transformation programs, uh, I think we probably need to think of some different metrics because also, you know, the, the, I mean, this, is, this is true for most large firms, but the way that you metric individual, so I talked about cross-functional team, but the person who's in marketing will be measured one way, the engineer will be measured another way, and the creative guy will be measured the third way. If you don't change the collective measurement of the team, then you have a big problem uh, at some point. Uh, so I think those are the, the notions, you know, very much like in the early days, we had, uh, you know, if you take a retail, for instance, uh, you had, uh, you know, the store owner was measured on the sales of the store and then an e-commerce guy was promoted and e-commerce guys was was measured on sales online, right? Uh, as it happens, you know, if you sell fridges, for instance, that you know, as a consumer, I go to the store to look at the fridge and then I buy it online because it's, 20 bucks cheaper or whatever <laughs> so so that's where the metricing becomes really tricky and, and and i think we got to really think about what is the ultimate good for the company and then how you metrics against that in fact what the retailers have done is mesh a regional metric for this which which makes a lot of sense but they are even at the level of the individuals when you start working in cross-functional team we need to start thinking about different type of metrics which are more about rewarding teams and you know some companies are not too happy with that because their culture your know, the culture comes in the way very often that you know we do, we measure individuals that's it uh, team thing we don't want to know you know we measure individuals so I think th- those are very big uh, sometimes cultural uh, hurdles that we have to go over
0: yeah. and also on success I find that when you start reading some of the kind of statistical press around digital transformation and these coming some of these like shock statistics like oh digital transformation sort of 60% or 70% fail. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, how, what, yeah. what is the
1: measurement of failure? Yes, yeah, so I mean, so, I'd, so I've, I've read them all, unfortunately, and, and so, so I think I've seen all these. Some people say 95% fail, others say it's 50%, I think. The, the problem is, yeah, what are, what are you actually measuring and over what period of time? Because the, the uh, you know, the notion, so I think, so first of all, I am a true believer that, like any other business transformation, it needs to be measured somehow. Uh, because these are about investments, these are about commitment of resources of people as well, so it needs to be measured, but, but, uh, the, but the, the kind of what you measure, so I think some, some of these studies were saying, you know, 95% fail to meet their declared objective and that automatically is the assumption that at the start of your transformation you had declared objective which is not what i'm seeing <laughs> over a five period of uh, you know five five year period of time and i think there there are there are so it means that you need to measure it probably means that you need to break down the measurements to chunks that you can see uh, because what's happened in five years who knows and there's also i think um, a lot of uh, i would say collateral benefits that you need to look at like if you're if suddenly your population becomes you know self-organizing because actually working in cross-functional team becomes second nature well that's a huge win now how do you measure that i don't know but you know if you if through 20 programs you've managed to change your people so it becomes the way we work around here wow that's culturally a massive win uh, which you cannot measure so so i think those are you know the the i, I and, and i think also for measurement you know you get I see too many people promising the earth, you know, the, you know, software vendor coming around and saying, oh, we will save 40% of cost if you just plug my software into your system. And then clients saying, well, actually, we did and we got virtually nothing or 2% or something like that, you know, so was it worth investment, you know, so I think challenging also the how are going to get to these benefits is really important. And I think the example I gave earlier on when of course, at an FTE level, you can save X people, okay, but if it's twelve percent of you, fifteen percent of me, and twenty percent of you, does it actually help to get rid of anyone? Probably not uh, so so you have to be a little bit more uh, I guess conscious and analytical about you know where you're gonna get the results and how they're gonna be driven to your bottom line or your top line um,
0: And just in terms of like future, um, obviously your work with MIT, kind of doing a lot of analysis there about kind of recent trends that are happening within this space globally. Right. From from that and your kind of knowledge of teaching, where do you think digital transformation is going?
1: Right, so there the, are the two things for, for me that are uh, really interesting because I don't know the answer to, to that, so I'm spending time thinking for it. One is what I call the augmented corporations, is once we have... If we unroll the tape and AI and machine learning really becomes what it promises today, which might or might not be true, but let's assume it makes a significant impact to the way we do business, then I think this notion of how you run an enterprise will de facto change quite radically. and again, it doesn't mean, you know, I keep reading and say, oh, everything will be flat and there'll be no bosses and all this kind of nonsense. I think we, we still need to have leaders. We still need to have human capabilities. We will still need to have all of this uh, inside an organization, uh, collaboration and all this kind of stuff. So, but it's how you orchestrate that in a different way, uh, which, which is interesting. And and I'm seeing a lot of that already happening. I mean, everybody will nod if if I say, the future is in fact-based decision-making. Everybody's absolutely. Okay. And then you go into a real company and you look at, well, okay, how fact-based are you really? Uh, you know, first of all, where is the information? Is it integrated? Is it digestible for a person in marketing or in operations? Do they make their decision really on the data or, you know, or are they allowed to make a slightly different decision? So it's quite a, it's a complex cultural change that, that needs to happen. And, and I think this notion of, uh, for me, it is like, you know, this notion of augmenting an organization for better decision making through this new technology is really something that's going to profoundly change the way we run organization and I have some hints, but I don't know how so I'm interested in that. And then also, I'd, I'd love if we can move away from this. Agile will solve the will solve the world and and I, I think we need to and maybe agile needs to, the world needs to change, but I think if we want to build adaptable organization, we need to have a lot of what I call hyper awareness which is this notion of being able to see what 's going on in sort of weak signals that happen uh, that allow you to connect the dot to say hmm, that could be either a huge opportunity for us or a massive threat okay so this this early warning signal is, is really important. The second one is this notion of how do we make, uh, you know, fact and database decision making? How does it actually work primarily? How do we filter that down? And it's not just how many data scientists do I have, but how many people in marketing are using these insights to actually make different decisions. So it's very much following the trail of the decision right to its smaller level. And, and that's getting better, but we're not there yet. And the last one is fast execution is, which is a huge issue for, for large corporations, is how do we change the way that we currently uh, run our business? I mean, today we still, you I know, mean, I still have a lot of clients who have, you know, six months strategy planning process and budgeting that comes at the back end of that and allocation of resources to PLs and and things like that. And then it becomes rigid, okay? And then every time you ask an executive, well, you know, let's say something dramatic happens in, Mid June, and you got a, a year-end planning process. What do you do? You Say, oh well, I adapt and I change all that. They're lying. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes. I mean, if you're a PNL owner and you've been given a big budget with uh, a certain amount of people, what well, would you release twenty of your best people to go do something else? You don't. Uh, and those are. And, and I'm making. A, a, I'm being a slightly fastidious. But this this is really important. Is how do we build the flexibility in our processes? to be able to redrive you know, some resources being budget allocation, being people, talents and so on, to really go and point the resources to where the opportunities are. Uh, and that does not happen naturally in organizations. So I think if we can get this to the augmented organization, try to understand where are we going with this technology and how do we build this adaptability within organization. I think that we're, we're, we're there yet. And I, I um, very often use the example in, in education of a Formula One team. If you observe how a Formula One team works, it's not just the, the drivers are uh, phenomenal, but if their uh, you know, back right tire is getting flat, somebody somewhere, usually in England, knows way before the driver in Japan that this is happening. So because they're very data-driven, they run models all the time, and, and, and they're able to give the driver a coded message that tells him, okay, here's what we're going to do, okay? So we're going to put hard tire or whatever, and connecting those dots, making, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a Formula One stop, but it's, we're talking sometimes 2.6 seconds, being able to drive all this decision-making, deep, deep, deep analytics, machine learning models, down to a bunch of guy one is in the car probably stressed like hell and the other ones the 20 or 50 people that are in front of the stand that have to make that and every single one of them they have a, a very precise job to do right if one fails everyone fails and getting it right it's it's a massive expression of what i mean by this adaptable organization and and uh, and that's you know if we can get our organization maybe not to get as smart as formula 1 cars but 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 at least to get one way closer to this kind of, uh, uh, you know, data-driven decision, fast execution, being able to anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, I think we're we're on the way to uh, uh, to more success for organisations.
0: Just going back to your kind of education experience, and also read an article that was saying a lot of the schools are tackling sort of digital transformation as one pillar, and then innovation as a separate pillar. Right and really these two things need to be intertwined
1: yes so i think that that, yes i i i never separate the two to be honest because i i think i think it's a big mistake uh i think the reason it's been done that way is primarily because education is as its own silos so if you're a marketing professor you talk to marketing professors if you're a finance professor you talk to finance professors, and so on and so on so it's based on disciplines and deep discipline knowledge which is fine, uh, except when, it, when it's not, <laughs> when it comes to themes that are cutting right across. And I think digital transformation is one where, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you need to have uh, multiple of skills from analytics to creative to something. And, and I think the notion of innovation for me is intrinsic if in, in digital transformation. I mean, unless you're doing a program that's solely focused on improving the effectiveness of your operation through IoT and all this kind of stuff so you know predictive maintenance costs us the yes, earth that's what we're going to maximize and optimize fine but if you start thinking about the customer front end or the business model where where you're talking about also developing new thing hopefully to increase your sales or, or your customer recognition or whatever metric um, then that becomes absolutely essential to you know be in, in an innovation mode uh, and I don't think that you should uh, uh you know you should have a a crowd understanding innovation and and how it works and then another crowd understanding digital transformation so because for me they're the same so I, as an executive you know it's really hard because you've got to think about how do i maintain maximize and modernize what i've got so some of the example i i mentioned earlier on of uh, you know simple uh, not simple but but you know automating an hr department or making your your website 10 times more powerful or whatever. Those are all examples of modernizing using digital technology and you've got to do that. Uh, but you also have to think about the new at the same time and the new can be, uh, you know, new product and services. Okay, fine. Yeah. We can, we can handle that. But if it's a new business model or a new diversification or, or an entry into a different country, then, then it becomes a, a time consuming, things that you got to get right. And if you do it within your current organization, it might be swallowed by the Pac-Man or the (laughs) antibodies of the old organization. So you have to think also organizationally, how do I test that, make it make it real uh, and and for an executive. And then you have to think about your people, right? and 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 we have to think about people even more now i think than we used to because automation and machine learning and all these have a consequence on, on the workforce that we need to understand and there's a huge transition of skills that's happening in organization that we need to understand so if you think about these three things it's a nightmare uh, for a leader you have you need to have like three brains each of them focus on slightly different things and and i think the good leaders manage to jump between you know each of those and design programs that actually tackle each of those but perhaps with slightly different metrics or very different metrics sometimes and also different sort of organizational format accountability about how you go about maximizing your operations versus creating a new business model Uh, and that's a that's a that's why i I really admire uh, you know great leaders because they 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 are able to do this jump uh, mentally which is uh, which is very difficult between what the way they move their organisation in, in in very different directions.
0: So you often see in um, sort of the larger incumbents of kind of that separation of innovation from the rest of the business? Like they'll have an innovation hub. Uh, yes, in uh, uh, a sort of separate siloed area. Well, this is this is these are the guys. Yes, that yes. Do the
1: so that's that's you know that's the uh, it's not a new thing. It's an ancient thing, and it, and we're seeing it again in, in in digital transformation. But it's been going for decades. It's like if you if you put it inside the danger is it will be gobbled up by the either the current culture or it be it will become as soon as there's a problem with the day-to-day work innovation becomes priority 27 and so on. if you put it completely outside then you're it's it's a it's it's the the golden tower where they play around with toys but it doesn't really mean anything for them so the trick is how do you actually mesh these things in in different ways and and it is possible, there are people that have, that have done one, the sources of innovation have multiplied today. Uh, so you're, you know, everybody's gone outside with this famous open innovation, but actually the innovation happening inside is still increasing. Uh, and, and, um, and there are areas because of competence. So the more we go into areas like IoT and machine learning and all this kind of stuff, the more we will find limitation of competence, even to start innovating. So the question becomes: well how the hell do i access this so it could be a partnership with the university it could be a partnership with a startup or creating your own incubator or whatever but you do still need to think about how do you, how do i then bring this competence inside at some point uh, and and that's or do i how do i connect it with my real operations and and that's a, a tricky balance to do some some people have done it very well uh, others have just gone for you know, the, oh, let's have a, a lab in California with five people that are having fun and see what happens, you know, so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a big choice. And I think I tend to encourage to think about this kind of construct when you start designing your digital transformation programs. Because I know that innovation is going to become important and we need access to some capabilities and therefore that we need to think through that, not as an afterthought of, okay, we'll do, we've done phase one, now let's turn to innovation, uh, but think about it right, f- right from the start, about how are we going to build the new stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, and just to wrap up, we've got a couple of, like kind of questions that we ask at the end, this is a bit of a comedy <laughs> wrap up. So um, the first one is... If you got stranded in Slough for four hours without a phone and you could have one item that would keep you entertained for four hours that isn't your phone. In
1: Slough without a phone. Oh my God. For four hours. A good article. Uh, or a newspaper or something like that yeah that's that's what, that's what so reading would be my yeah because uh, Slough you can't go anywhere right so and I think sitting at a cafe uh, having a coffee and reading a newspaper or a good article or a book or something that would be my, my answer. <laughs> God forbid I even, I'm ever in that situation.
0: <laughs> um, and the world ends but you and one other person survive who is the other person?
1: Oh, gosh! It'd have to be female. I have to say, my wife, right? Because we we <laughs> we'd have to restart the world if it was the end. <laughs> So that would be my answer. Good my answer, wife. Good answer. <laughs> and if I can have my dog as well, that'd be great. But <laughs> okay,
0: noted. We'll see if you can have that.
1: Okay. Um,
0: great. Well, it's been lovely to speak All to right. you. No, thank back you. I you enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really really great.